When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, by now you would have heard because it got announced just after eight that Sir Rod Stewart is coming back to us here in Cork and will be playing live in the Marquee on the 20th of uh, June. And it will be his first time back playing live at the Marquee in 14 years. And for Rod Stewart fans, absolutely fantastic news. And if you're a big fan, it's great to have somebody that you idolise and have been a fan of for many, many years to have them playing on your doorstep. It really is fantastic. Tickets, by the way, are going on sale this day week, Thursday, the 9th of um, February. And he is he is one of the world's best selling artists in the history of recorded music with an estimated 250 million records and singles that he has sold worldwide. And this concert is expected uh, to be all of his hits from over the years. So certainly good news for Rod Stewart fans. But I say this this day next week, nine o'clock, Ticketmaster.ie. There'll be a flurry of activity this day next week. Uh, our texts and WhatsApps are open at 0862103103. Yesterday on the programme, we mentioned about the fact that uh, we would all be, all domestic householders would be entitled to a, a refund of some 50 euro from the ESB networks because we have been overcharged. Well, I read on today's uh, papers that uh, all of us, and this was anyone who has a domestic electricity meter uh, was over uh, charged and it's looking like it may be some time before we receive our 50 euro uh, because the ESB are saying that they don't want to pay the money out of their own uh, funds even though it was the ESB networks who overcharged us. The Energy Minister Eamon Ryan says he wants in total it's 100 million euro in unsanctioned charges He wants them refunded to customers and he wants them refunded quickly. And he is saying that the ESB networks should pay it and should pay it out of their own money. He says when you find out that there was an overpayment, he said the simple thing is you pay it back. And he says that is what is going to be done. Now, what the ESB want, they want to raise the money through the charges on big businesses. This would be like like pharmaceutical firms, tech companies, food uh, producers, the data centres. These companies all enjoyed lower energy bills at the expense of householders who were charged more to subsidise them. And I have to say, when this all broke and this story all came to light, I was thinking, 
did we all know that we were paying a little bit extra every single two months on our ESB to subsidise big energy firms? Because I never remember that being uh, announced. And going to the firms looking for the money, that's not going to be a simple procedure for the ESB because it seems in order for that to happen, that has to be signed off by the energy regulator. That's the Commission for Regulation and Utilities. And they say that they do not intend to examine the matter until April of this year. And then they're going to have a review of it. And they're saying that that assessment won't be completed until October. So if we're waiting on the ESB to get the money from the big companies who received it, then it's going to be least October before the CRU give their view on it. So certainly that's going to be uh, later on this year before any of us received the 50 euro, which we were, remember, we were overcharged for it. They took money from us that they shouldn't have taken money uh, from it. Now, such a move, obviously, of the ESB going back to businesses, that would be completely opposed by businesses. I mean, large companies, it seems, actually lobbied the CRU last year to return there to retain their lower energy bills claiming that they, some of them would go out of business if they weren't subsidised and actually the Department of Enterprise under Leo Varadkar at the time he also complained to the CRU last year when the subsidy removal was proposed so he was obviously in his role as Department of Enterprise he was very much backing the large businesses and tensions around this issue has certainly grown over the past week particularly when the this overcharging was revealed. Now, the subsidy, and as I say, this is the subsidy. Maybe it was me. I'd, I'd love to know if anybody clearly remembers it. It's known as the Large Energy User Rebalancing Subvention. And it was seemingly already controversial when it was introduced back in 2010. And as I say, it was, it was brought in to support big businesses. Now, 2010, we're talking about we were in the middle of the uh, uh, Recession, So it was justified at the time, even though, as I say, I certainly don't remember domestic customers being told about it. But anyway, so I was brought in in 2010, but it continued until last year, uh, 2022. Households energy bills were increased by, in total, 50 million euro a year. So 50 million then would be taken from all of our bills and then given to the large energy using companies. So the 50 million will be taken off their bills. Around 1,500 companies were categorised as large energy users at the time. So the subvention worked out being worth on average 33,300 euro each every year for 12 years. And that's a grand total of six hundred million euro that those large energy companies got by way of subvention. Now, it's since emerged that what happened was the ESB wrongly applied the measure and they ended up taking an extra unsanctioned 100 million euro from householders and that works out they reckon and I'd love to know how they're working this out but they reckon it's about uh, worth it's worth they took about an extra 50 euro each over the lifetime of this uh, subvention Um, and, and they've come up with this figure of 50 euro which now they're told and certainly the energy minister Eamon Ryan is saying you must pay it back to the householders now neither the ESB nor the regulator publicly disclosed that they had overcharged despite the ESB admitting this week it had actually been engaging with the regulator on the issue for some time how long is some time 
I don't know. Eamon Ryan said he wasn't told about the issue until recent uh, days, but he then went on to say that the mistake was understandable and he said that it was a technical issue and that's how he's uh, justifying it and he can understand uh, how it happened. Um, He added that it would be too difficult to try to get the money back from the large energy uh, users and uh, so he's saying directly to the ESB, don't even try going to get it back from the large energy companies. You made the mistake, fess up, you have fessed up, now you need to pay it back. But of course, sourcing the money to repay customers is further complicated. Why? Because, of course, the ESB is a state owned company. So it's kind of like we're paying ourselves back the money we were overcharged. So if the ESB does use its own finances to give back these uh, refunds, it then will dramatically reduce the dividend it'll pay to the exchequer this year. Money, obviously, that that's used for, that's then used for public services. The company would not comment on the minister's remarks, saying only that it was continuing to engage with the CRU on the matter. The CRU wouldn't comment either, saying the issue was required to be processed through the annual networks review process and that they're not even going to begin talking about that until April and then they're not expected uh, to have an assessment until October. So I would say to, we won't, let's not hold our breath on when we're going to get, uh, if and when. No, I think we will get, we will get the, I'm probably wrong in saying uh, when, I think we will get the uh, the 50 euro back but certainly it is looking like it's not going to come any time soon 0818 103 and somebody's pointing out Patricia if we owed the ESB or any of the utility providers if we owed them if we were undercharged by 50 euro you can guarantee they would demand the money back straight away I want my money back now now I mentioned Rod Stewart coming to live at the marquee somebody said Patricia where is the live at the marquee this year please it's in the same venue Ballon Temple up by uh, Croke about by Porky Queef so it's in the very same venue I know there was talk a few years ago that it was going to move but uh, it hasn't moved so it's in the same venue so if you've been there previously you'll know exactly where it is a couple of calls in hi Patricia I live in Butterfant and I am wondering uh, what bus Aaron service would get me from Butterfant to Knock Shrine please so we got on to bus Aaron you get the expressway bus from Cork to Galway which obviously stops in uh, Butterfant and then at Galway you have to get off that bus and you get a bus to Knock there's no direct bus from Cork to Knock so Cork to Galway and then Galway to Knock Shrine then Annie was on now we've we're after getting on we've sent an email off to Cork County Council to see if they can give us some information and clarification for Annie but maybe somebody else out there might know the answer to this. Annie wants to know is a farmer allowed to remove ditches and not replace them leaving the fields uh, open. It's roadside ditches that have been removed. Uh, Annie says there are houses nearby of which one is Annie's and since the farmer removed the ditches, all the dirty water from the field is now coming on to Annie's driveway. The first ditch, she said, was removed a number of years ago and then more have been removed in the last few months. Annie says from what she can gather from her research that a landowner isn't allowed to remove a hedge or a ditch and that if they do, they can be penalised and fined unless they remove the hedge and the ditch and then replace it instead. But this farmer has removed the ditches, left the fields opened and then obviously any dirty water running off is running onto Anne's property and obviously other houses in the area as well. And as I say, we've got on to Cork County Council uh, to 
find out what's happening and what should happen here and should the farmer be replaced in the ditches and is the farmer just allowed to remove ditches uh, and then leave not replace them. If anybody has the answer with further information that we can pass on to Annie, please give us a call. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie Fianna Fáil's Transport Spokesperson Deputy James O'Connor has called on the Road Safety Authority to address what he says is the gross mismanagement which is causing the NCT backlogs. Yesterday, the Joint Committee on Transport and communications heard from representatives of the RSA and from Aplus, the company that run our NCT centres and Deputy James O'Connor joins me this morning. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. James, firstly, do you know, has there ever been so many vehicles on our roads without a valid NCT? At this point, I don't think uh, there has ever been a situation where we have the case we're in today. So we know, uh, Patricia, that there's approximately... 370,000 vehicles as we speak on the road uh, without an NCT test Uh, and also we know that the backlog um, by the NCT testers um, according to information provided by the Road Safety Authority yesterday will not be under control until potentially the end of this year. Personally I feel it could drag on even longer. Now what reasons did APLUS outline yesterday? What, what, What are they saying are the reasons for these long waiting lists? They did outline a number of problems they were facing as a company yesterday. And, you know, their chief executive, he spoke about things like the great resignation, uh, where there was many, many people from the company uh, would have moved on to new employment. A lot of companies saw that during 2019 and and even during the pandemic where they changed uh, their employer. Um, However, you know, I I kind of dug in yesterday with him around the employee, employees, I suppose, quality of workplace uh, with Atlas Plus yesterday, a number of um, whistleblowers have come to me from the company uh, describing what they feel were very serious um, and poorly uh, taken decisions around the treatment of the employees. And one I referenced yesterday, which seemed to have taken off, is the fact that they didn't bother putting on a Christmas party. Yeah, for their can, staff I, can, last I hold, year. can I hold you there? Because we've actually, yeah. John Paul has downloaded this piece, and I think this is an interesting piece. This is, this is you taking uh, the managing director of APLUS, uh, Mark Sinner, to task just about the way uh, staff were treated, particularly in regard to their Christmas party last year. Many people who work within the NCT system have come to me over the last couple of weeks. Some of them don't have very positive things to say about your company. I'll give you one example here that uh, the company cancelled Christmas party one year and offered the staff a tenner for Christmas lunch. Tell me about that. Yeah, so last year was uh, a very tough year financially uh, and unfortunately I had to make the decision that we could not sponsor a significant Christmas party. We did, however, sponsor a Christmas lunch for for staff. A tenner? Yes. You wouldn't go into a filling station and buy a wrap and a bottle of Coke for that, you know that? Uh, nonetheless, the, the financial situation that the company faced You went all the way to the Philippines to find staff. Yes, we have uh, done our very best to find capacity. And, and you don't have an issue looking after your current employees? I think that we have to view a, a Christmas party as a, uh, it's a discretionary spend. It's kind of a bit mean-spirited, wasn't it, to cancel the Christmas party and then offer them a tenner? It certainly was, and you know the fact that just said there about the these trips to the Philippines to go and find workers and staff. Astonishing, absolutely astonishing that you know that was what they felt was the was the was the preferable outcome for them to go eleven thousand kilometres from Ireland, trying to locate and find staff when their own ones 
were obviously very annoyed and, and a lot of the NCT centres I understand actually told uh, after what to do with the tenor and, and refused to take it um, but you know it just kind of goes to show that they're a company that obviously have you know financial difficulty is that the, according to what he told us yesterday they don't seem to be in great position but they should merely ha- have a discussion with the road safety authority to tell them what they need to survive because effectively when we have cars of that scale of 375,000 vehicles on the road with no NCT it's actually putting all of us in danger and although I know the NCT is a pain and people don't like doing it but it does at least give a minimum st- a standard uh, you know, level of which vehicles should be asked to be driving the road and what he also told us yesterday is that they seem to have this this phenomenon of repeat offenders who have been booking tests did not showing up to go and do the test. And that stands at about 2,000 vehicles a week. Does that, does that not need... Do, do, do they not need to dig into that and find out what's going on? Because I mentioned that uh, yesterday because we knew he was expected uh, to say that. Now, we did have some people who you know had very genuine reasons, including myself. I got COVID when I was due to bring my car for NCT, so obviously I had to, I had to cancel. But I cancelled in... You know, I gave them as much notice as I could. And there was another woman in Skibbereen who was snowed in and, and couldn't make uh, her, her test and they're very genuine reasons but there there seems to be people who are just booking the test at knowing that their car isn't going to pass and then they cancel it and they're using that then if the guards stop them to say oh well look I have a test date for three months time I mean does that need to be really looked at? It certainly does and effectively what, what does what does need to, to be looked at is that if somebody who's cancelled three and four times you know there has to be some type of an intervention there uh, through Angarda Siakana or through uh, the RSA, and they set the penalties in relation to these uh, areas. So I have to say that, you know, on foot of that yesterday, we did learn a little bit that perhaps the, as, as the government uh, or as, as the Oireachtas, we can help with that, uh, potentially looking at legislation that will just tackle it. But what I did think was uh, a bigger problem was the Atlas Plus company trying to hold on to the staff they have got. Uh, and their focus seems to be in bringing in foreign nationals from outside of the European Union, as, as I said, they were involved in recruitment in the Philippines, bringing them all the way to Ireland here to come work. Um, you know, and I, I suppose that just shows that the company itself is not really concentrating on the people who currently work for it. And like they have, you know, to be fair, in NCT centres, sometimes there are problems, but they are able to deal with the cancellation backlog. Um, you know, I heard yesterday directly from one employee who worked in an NCT garage, a major one, where there was 20 vehicles being tested um, and that, that had been cancelled. Uh, and what they were able to do was bring in 32 different vehicles that particular day um, from dealerships around the area that they were in. Um, so it just shows that despite the cancellation, there still is a huge shortage in the queue for uh, for NCT testers and for test centres. Uh, and that's something that the Aptus Plus organisation are going to have to look at. And if they can't get themselves in a position to deal with the problem, I think by the end of this calendar year, the RSA should seriously think about withdrawing that contract. Can they do that? They certainly can, because Aptus Plus, the private operator, been given a very, very important state contract. Uh, and I do think when it comes to accountability, that there does need to be some degree uh, of, of accountability and, and the state telling Atlas Plus rather than just fining them, giving them a slap over the knuckles and moving on and allowing this to drag on for as long as it has uh, to threaten them with the withdrawal of their contract when it does expire. I don't know when it expires, but it has to expire at some point. Yeah, I think it's a t- I'm sure it was a 10-year contract, wasn't it? 
That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but do we have a lack of qualified mechanics? Are garages also suffering? I know my local garage in Mallow was forced to close a couple of years ago because they couldn't get uh, mechanics. Do we need to look at at that issue as well? Yeah, I think it did come up yesterday that they were they were telling us that there is a lack of mechanics in the country and and there is competition as well. Uh, and like if you look at the salary, Patricia, of an NCT operator that goes in at a, at a junior level, the, the salary is around thirty five thousand euros a year for them, and the conditions for that salary are also not great. You know, you're talking about working weekends and Sundays. Um, there's also uh, the performance-related pay that impacts people that if they are not getting a certain level of vehicles done, that they don't get their bonus. Um, you know, this may sound like an ordinary operating procedure for the private sector and many private companies that would have targets, would have that in place. But when it comes to vehicle testing, I doubt that is, that is something that should be a priority for the company. And also when you compare it, I did yesterday, to private companies around uh, many parts of the country that are hiring mechanics, the salaries are around €50,000 um, for much, much better quality um, quality of work and conditions. Uh, you know, there was one private car garage under the Kia, um, under, uh, that has Kia dealership, uh, had an advert up yesterday for that, and I referenced it in the committee with him. So, like, the, the HR issues within Atlas Plus, they are very, very important to try to deal with this problem. And I just don't have any faith from what I heard yesterday that this situation is going to get better. Yeah, and whenever we mention NCTs, and I can straight away see uh, similar texts coming in now, people are saying, why can't garages uh, do the NCT uh, testing the way they do it in the UK? That's something that the, the committee has has been asking and looking at as well. So a lot of the problems around NCT testing is that there's European standards put in place um, through the European Union. And obviously... What what the the main the main problem with that was that if you wanted to go in and get your NCT test done, it wouldn't last three days from the day because of the fact that you had to come back again that it was due after a certain time period, and this was a huge bugbear of many people. But that's actually a European problem. It's not it's not an Irish problem. So what we do need to do is reduce the waiting time substantially. Um, but also when it comes to additional centres or car garages being used. That was raised yesterday at the committee, and I do think that, you know, the RSA are probably of the view that it might be possible. Obviously, Atlas Plus, that's not how their, their, their platform works. So we may have to look at potentially providing an additional uh, additional contract, but obviously it has to be agreed and worked upon under the current terms of what we're working with. Uh, and Atlas Plus is, is the blockage there and that problem. So it's a great solution, Patricia. I do think it has a role to play because, you know, every town in our constituency has car dealerships. Mm-hmm. And some of them, places like Mallow and Middleton, would have major, and for have major car dealerships in the town. So much, e- so much easier for people um, uh, as well. And and I saw uh, on the paper today uh, that you know the fact that you were the RSA and uh, driving tests uh, were also was also mentioned. Are we starting a build up again of people waiting to get their driving tests? I thought that had all been uh, cleared, all the ones that have built up during the pandemic. Yes, so a lot of younger drivers that want to go on and get their full driving license, that's now starting to become a major problem again. And obviously, coming into the summer months now, we're, we're in a new year. A lot of students would like to try and get their driver test done before uh, the summer of this year. And, and, and generally, 
our office gets inundated with urgent requests from people trying to get themselves uh, an actual driving test. The waiting period for the driving test, unlike the NCT, is quite it's much longer. So that it's about 12 weeks of a of a, of a guideline um, for people that want to try and utilise the NDLS service or utilise driving testing in Ireland. The RFA described that yesterday. Uh, like the NCT is supposed to be under 28 days uh, with, with, with a proposed average of around two weeks. So, you know, with the driving test, it's, it's a bit longer anyway, but there is problems going to occur there, I reckon. And the driving tester shortage as well, Patricia, is a problem. That, you know, the RSA had offered these contracts to people that were part-time, that they were temporary contracts or were not permanently hiring workers within the sector. And in an environment where we are, where there is a shortage of staff in the economy, you know, I did think that that, that problem was, was, was entirely self-created by the RSA and they were challenged on that yesterday in the committee. I think they're starting to recognise for the first time from yesterday that this has caused problems for them. Um, and also, you know, it has to be said that it is not, it's a very niche type of a job working as a driving tester. It's probably hard to find people to do that. They may, you know, become driving testers having leave, uh, or I suppose leaving other careers that might have been uh, involved in very heavy uh, manual labour or you know, people that might want to, to, to retire from the Gardaí and go into another career. Uh, and often driver testers that work for the RSA may have had different jobs within local authorities or in other sectors before they take up that role. So like a part-time contract, it's not something that you're going to risk later in life going into a job that you don't necessarily know that you can secure for yourself. Mm. Uh, and that's something the RSA will have to tackle. Okay. Okay, and just very, very finally, then the Castle Marcher uh, bypass. You raised this issue uh, with uh, Eamon Ryan, and it, it is there some good news on that? Delighted to see that today. Um, it's after being raised in, uh, in the as a question under promised legislation uh, with the Minister for Transport. I raised it myself last week with him, and the news that he's after providing us, Patricia, is that it's now advanced to what's referred to as stage zero. So that's where the local authority finalise all of these studies that are done in advance of, of, of work being done. It's gone back now to the Department of Transport and they're going to be giving funding uh, actually next week that will allow the appointment of a design consultant by Cork County Council. So hopefully this time next year that we'll have proposed routes that people will be able to see these routes uh, in, in, in the East Cork area. Uh, and at the out, out, when that process then finalises, um, you have your public consultation and the project will then have to go for planning. So okay. it's very, very it'll exciting be, it'll to be a, in advance. It'll be a step forward, which is, which is great. Listen, we leave it there, James. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. That is East Cork, Fianna Fáil Deputy James O'Connor. A lot of commentary coming in again about NCTs and delays with NCTs. And I will get back uh, to all of those comments. But I want to move on to a different topic because drink awareness campaigners have warned that people will die if the new relaxed licensing laws are passed by the government to discuss the dangers that could be posed by the sale of alcohol bill. I'm joined by Sheila Gilhini, who is CEO of Alcohol Action Ireland. Good morning to Sheila. Good morning Patricia and, thank uh, you for having me well, on. You're, you're very welcome to the programme. Are your main concerns around the opening hours because if this bill is passed or when this bill is passed we are going to have longer opening hours in this country. Yes, that is our main concern, although there are a number of issues within the bill but certainly the, the facilitating of um, both longer opening hours, you know, with pubs now being able to be open to 12.30 a.m., but also, you know, a, a facilitation making it easier for late night opening to, to 2.30 a.m. I, I will say that there's also other concerns um, in that there's uh, what are called uh, cultural immunity levels 
licenses that are basically would allow venues that wouldn't normally have a license. So museums, galleries, theatres, um, uh, a whole variety of places, uh, actually, uh, holiday camps, for example, different things like that, uh, to allow to have licenses. So essentially what is becoming the case is that there'd be very, very few alcohol-free areas, very few places where people could go out where you can go, gosh, actually, um, alcohol isn't isn't here. But really our concern is very much about the, um, the, the increased uh, licensing hours. And it's binge drinking. I mean, it's not somebody going out and uh, when you mentioned going to a museum and just having a social glass of wine, your real concerns are around binge drinking. Binge drinking is, you know, uh, something that really does lead to a large level of, of harm. And we know that Ireland has the um, eighth highest level in the world for, for binge drinking. So that, that is a, a very particular concern. We do have concern overall about um, Ireland's, you know, alcohol use. And, you know, we see it in lots of different ways. Um, uh, people are familiar, unfortunately, with, um, you know, things like liver disease that would, that would occur. But actually, we also have a problem with cancer uh, from, from alcohol as well. It has something like about a thousand uh, cancer diagnoses every year would arise from alcohol. And actually about half of those are from what you might call light to moderate uh, alcohol use. So, you know, there, there's a range of, of problems here. Um, we specifically mentioned um, in, in our discussions with the Oireachtas Justice Committee that um, a, a particular danger around extending licensing hours is the increase in the harms that you would see, like, for example, from things like assaults, accidents, falls, those sorts of things so admissions to eds as, as a result as a, as a result of of alcohol now right now every day four people die as a result of uh, as a result of alcohol and a third of those deaths um actually arise from those which you might call accident or incidents or you know self-harm that that might arise so that's about 500 people a year a already die that's a, yeah, that, a lot of that is a lot of people. And I know uh, when this uh, sale of alcohol bill was first being discussed, a lot of the focus and attention was going on that nightclubs would be able to open until 6 a.m. Yeah. But realistically, can you see many nightclubs opening until 6 a.m.? Um, you know, the nightclub thing, there's, there's an awful lot fewer nightclubs than there are ordinary bars and restaurants, you know, so the, um, so, so I, I would know myself that there's probably not not as, as big a, a number um, to, the, as, 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 as you would see t- just simply with, with ordinary bars. Um, so it's 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 the idea that, you know, it is now normal that, um, as I say, obviously, you know, bars being open to 12.30, but also that late night opening of bars, so 2.30. So that's, um, you know, just in terms of the normal numbers of, of bars that you have, there's an awful lot more of them than there are of, of nightclubs. Yeah, and I know whenever we talk about a extension of licensing laws, inevitably we'll get calls in saying, you know, are they are the government going to look at transport services? You know, are they going to put yeah. on extra night link buses? Are they, you know, will there be more taxis? We're already struggling as it is. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole heap of, um, of of issues around extending licensing hours. So exactly to say their transport, you know, um, conditions, you know, things like for people who are actually working, you know, in the in the late night economy, um, you know, protections that that need to be at, in, in in play for them, extra guardie, extra um, resources around, you know, ambulances uh, needing to be there, and indeed, you know. Um, uh, you know, the staff um, who work in hospitals, as it is, would already experience, you know, huge numbers, firstly, of people coming in at the weekend, but also, you know, like there's, there, there's there's a fair bit of aggression um, that uh, hospital staff would experience as a result of, you know, people coming in um, and inebriated. And that will only get worse 
if if we have uh, an increase in licensing hours. Yeah, Tom, one of our listeners saying I agree 100% with what Sheila is saying. I had to attend an accident in an emergency department with my elderly mother on a Saturday night uh, last year. I'll never forget what I witnessed and what my mother had to witness. Uh, isn't our health service under enough pressure as it is? And, yeah, and that is a real, real concern. It, it really is, you know. Um, you know, every single day in Ireland, 1,500 hospital beds are used in relation to, to alcohol-related um, illnesses. And, you know, that's also about 13% of our overall total bed number. So, uh, like, like I say, we already have this enormous pressure on our on our hospital system. Why would we add to it by, um, you know, introducing this when we have all this knowledge? It isn't just, you know, the situation in Ireland where, where, where we know we do have a problem, but we actually can look right around the world at different jurisdictions where there have been, uh, you know, increases in um, uh, alcohol uh, licensing hours, and we, and we can see the results from that. So just for just to give you one example, in Amsterdam, they found that um, for every extra hour that uh, license, license premises were open, there was 34% more alcohol-related injuries. That's just one uh, jurisdiction. We literally have examples like this right across the world. And yet, when it's been sold, the positives of the sale of alcohol bill and the extension of the licensing laws, we're constantly talking about a nighttime economy. We need to develop our nighttime economy. And, you know, people will quote other countries, oh, I can go to Spain on holidays and I can get a drink at one o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, I can do it in France, I can do it in Italy. Uh, but they don't seem to have the same relationship with alcohol that we have. Well, you know, I, actually, I will say that, you know, Europe is the highest drinking region in the world. So actually, they do have a lot of problems. I'll just give you one example. In Germany, um, they would spend about 40 billion every year on addressing alcohol harms. In France, 30 percent of the population would have an alcohol problem. Um, you know, so when we go on holiday, um, we don't necessarily see all of those sorts of things that are actually going on as well. Now, um, and, and we do know, like, we, you know, from, from our colleagues across Europe who would be pointing to measures that are need to be taken, uh, you know, t- taken in hand in other countries as well. So um, a little bit I would be saying we need to legislate for our particular situation here. We can learn from what has happened in other parts of the world as well. OK, and where are we at, uh, Sheila, with this sale of alcohol bill? I mean, when is it expected to be enacted? Well, um, the, the Justice Committee we're doing was called pre-legislative scrutiny of the bill. And there over the last couple of weeks, we, we were able to, uh, we were glad to get the opportunity to present some evidence to the, the, the Justice Committee uh, earlier in, in the week. Our understanding is that they will be drawn together, you know, the various pieces of evidence that, that, that were provided uh, to them and they'll make a report back to the um, to the to the Minister uh, for Justice. Um, indications from the from Helen McEntee, that from Minister Helen McEntee, when, when this bill was first announced back in October, was that they were keen to have this, you know, go through by the summertime of this year. We would really be saying, I think we need to take a step back here and really examine, you know, the, the public health consequences of rushing through a bill like this. And we'd particularly point to, you know, there's another piece of legislation, the Public Health Alcohol Act, which was passed in 2018, which is all about actually trying to reduce alcohol use. The, the, the aim of the bill was to reduce alcohol use by 20 percent by by last year. We haven't re- actually two years ago. We haven't reached that target We're we're 20 percent. Uh, above where we where we should be uh you know by the by the targets of of that bill 
that, um, you know, the Public Health Alcohol Act had a number of measures about, for example, reducing the amount of advertising that, that we would see. Those measures have not yet been implemented. And it seems, you know, very strange and, and a very incoherent, you know, government approach that you would have, um, you know, one department rushing to introduce a bill which would increase and enhance alcohol available and therefore enhance the sale of alcohol and therefore enhance its use and all the harms go with it. And yet, you know, the prior legislation, which is government policy, has not been fully implemented and there's no rush and no urgency about doing that. Well, I can actually see a lot of texts coming in. A lot of people are agreeing with you. Mary in particular is concerned. Her son uh, works in the industry and she said people need to be aware there's been an increase in assaults on uh, bar workers, something that wasn't seen uh, before. We need to be very careful about what we do with this bill, says Mary. Okay, Sheila, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, Sheila Gilhealy. And Sheila is uh, CEO of Alcohol Action Ireland. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. C103's summer getaway is coming very soon. Our plan is to send you and a friend on a fantastic sunshine holiday uh, this year and we're bringing you all of the details next Tuesday, day after the bank holiday only on C103 so make sure you're bright and early next uh, Tuesday for the details of the C103's summer giveaway. We're going to have a lot of fun with this over the next number of weeks. Now back to Calls and comments coming in. A lot coming in about NCTs. Let me give you an example of some of your comments and you're thinking about delays with NCT uh, tests, uh, delays at NCT uh, centres. Uh, why can't they use the DOE centres, says this uh, texter. They run the very same tests with trucks and vans as they do for an NCT on a car. And that way you'd be going to a DOE centre and there's a lot more DOE centres dotted around the place. Martin says, Patricia, I think the reason that there are so many cars waiting for an NCT test is the fact that there are too many cars being failed for what Martin feels are small faults. Why not just tell people to get whatever needs to be fixed instead of making them come back again for just some of the smaller faults? It's stupid and ridiculous and it's time wasting. Uh, Also, Patricia, it would be better to scrap the NCT. Look at all the people that are waiting. My NCT is out on the 22nd of February this year. Now, I have managed to secure a test for the 16th of February. I think the NCT is uh, a joke and it's not nice when you're told that your car has failed maybe because a bulb that doesn't uh, work. Someone else says Patricia why can't garages test uh, the NCTs and I did say that to James O'Connor when I had had him on and a West Cork listener says on uh, the NCT is a scandal anyway. The car is doing very small mileage particularly the ones over 10 years of age have to get their cars tested every year. That is a scandal in itself. It should be reversed and the backlog would be sorted out straight away yeah, because at one stage every car you got them tested every two years I know newer cars it's every two years but is it kids cars over 10 years have to be tested every every year and of course for some people when they get the test done and if they get the test late uh, suddenly they're due another test very soon like I heard ex- for example somebody whose test date was up in March of last year but couldn't get an NCT on time and didn't get their car tested until August 
uh, and it's, it passed, thank God, and all of that. But their next NCT is due next March. So only in a matter of the feel of months again, they're back on the road of trying to book another test. And that's uh, frustrating, uh, for uh, certainly for a lot of people. John Imado says the RSA are constantly out on the road, stopping trucks and lorries on the roadside and making sure that they are up to standards. Sometimes you can be pulled over on the roadside and you can be held up for at least an hour. I'm assuming John is a truck driver. Why can't they take some of those staff off the roadside put them into the NCT centres for a period of time and surely that would speed up the delays someone else says morning Patricia some WhatsApp I thought a car without a valid NCT can't get insurance no we actually dealt with that issue uh, yesterday we went to Paul Kavanagh who is our insurance expert and he said certainly the, com- the insurance companies they deal with once you have proof that you have an NCT test even though your disc is out of date you'll be okay then but having said that we did have a listener who texted in to say that her son's insurance premium had come in the door and it clearly said in bold print that you must have a valid NCT so I suppose it varies from insurance company to insurance company. Gary says why should any company make money out of the NCT? At the end of the day it's a statutory requirement by law everybody must have a valid NCT T-cert on their car. It's a little bit like a passport. So why should any company make money out of it? It's run by a company that at the end of the day, Applis is a private company. They need to make a profit. Also, if the Applis uh, company, uh, when you go in to get your NCT, your NCT should be for 12 months from the date that you get your test. They shouldn't be backdating it and giving a person, in some cases, an NCT cert that might only be valid for three months. In the UK, it's local dealerships are appointed to do this and you get the job done there. There are several garages doing this so the pressure isn't on the system. Also, why should people have to sit in waiting rooms in NCT centres, extremely nervous, waiting to see will their car pass? Why are they putting people through this? But of course, the... The government contracted it out to Applis. There was another company before Applis who did it for the first, I'm sure, 10 years. And then I'm sure it's a 10 year contract. And then they bid for it. And, you know, and whoever comes in with the best bid actually gets the contract. So the government make money out of, a, you know, giving it out to a, a company. But I, I know the point you're making, you know, the company takes on this contract and they are profit making they have to make a profit out of it um, but they that in no way influences uh, your your pass or your fail uh, rate but yeah why 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 can we not have ordinary garages like what they do in the UK I, I don't know I mean that argument comes up every single time and even James O'Connor accepts it it is an argument that comes up every single time now I mentioned at the top of the programme the ESB and the fact we've all been overcharged by 50 euro and listening to the mutterings coming out from the ESB we could be a long time waiting to get our 50 euro back into our grubby little paws Trevor in ovens though is scratching his head as to how this overcharging happened we now know it's been going on for 12 years at the end of the day uh, ESB Networks is a state body who would have a lot of financial people at a very high level working in the organisation on quite high uh, wages did no one in the 12 years notice oops we're doing this wrong we're overcharging Trevor is a businessman and his accountant comes into the office one day a week, does all the wages, the VAT and all of that. So he says at the end of the year, I'm 99% ready to submit to revenue. Trevor says, I'm a small business owner, but somebody's head should be on the block for what happened at ESB Networks, whether it's 
50 euro of an overcharge or 5,000 euro. We'll never know exactly how much we were overcharged for, but there's no room for mistakes like this uh, to be made. And I think the overcharging in total was the figure, um, it's something like they they took in a total of 600 million in the 12 years. Now, ESB didn't make, financially didn't make any money out of it. That money was passed on straight away to businesses to lower their energy bills. But all of us in in our households were subsidising the larger companies. They reckon about 1,500 larger companies, the big tech companies, the pharmaceutical firms, the data centres that use a huge amount of electricity and food producers. It was introduced during the time of the uh, recession and then it was only last year they decided to remove it and then at some period we still don't know when the ESB discovered that and, and according to Eamon Ryan it was a technical issue but somehow they were wrongly applying the measure and because of that an extra 100 million was taken from uh, householders during that 12 year period we still don't know when someone at the ESB noticed uh, it and certainly the the CRU who are who who control all of our utilities the commission for regulation of U- utilities i know they were taken to task as to why they didn't notice it as well but anyway but that's a good question when did they actually find out that the overcharging was going on the only thing we do know is that um the ESB this week did admit that they have been engaging with the regulator on this issue for some time but I don't know how long is for some time. But uh, you are right, uh, Trevor. It does seem crazy that it could have gone on for 12 years and that nobody actually noticed. Gee, we're actually overcharging uh, ordinary domestic uh, customers. 0818103103 on licensing laws. And we spoke about there is a proposal for new licensing laws, which means pubs can, will be allowed to open until, I think they, they'll open at half 10 every morning and they can stay open until half 12 and that would be seven nights a week. And then there'll be extra licenses given out. Uh, it also means nightclubs could open until 6am in the morning, but there'll be special alcohol licenses given out, you know, to the likes of uh, museums or art centres or community centres, somewhere where there's some kind of an event going on and the organisers feel that they'd like to serve or sell alcohol so they'd be able to get a special uh, licence. So basically alcohol would be more readily available than it already is. Okay, some of your thoughts on this uh, coming into the programme. Patricia, these new opening hours for pubs, etc. This country is already bad enough when it comes to drinking. What will happen now is drinkers will have a great time being able to stay out all day and all night. Whoever came up with these laws uh, really needs to be checked. It's just another way for the government to make money from Irish drinkers. I gave up alcohol about 20 years ago and it was the best thing I ever did except for getting married. Good <laughs> thinking of your wife uh, first. Hi Patricia. They didn't, they're, they're not able to get people into pubs at the moment. If you go into a pub on every on any weekday, most pubs are empty and in fact half of them aren't even uh, open. Our own local for example uh, it only opens on the weekend and it's only open for later drinking from 9 until 12.30. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if rural pubs, it's going to have any effect on rural pubs. The bigger urban areas, I imagine, is where you're going to get a lot more drinking and people staying out later. But certainly, I don't think it's going to have any effect on smaller rural pubs, for sure. Pat in from Oi says, the problem is the strength of alcohol at the moment. We are simply serving alcohol that is too strong. What should happen, and Pat says, I know it won't happen, 
them. But why don't they cut the strength of the alcohol by half? That way, if you're going out, you could drink as much as you normally did, but it would be half strength uh, alcohol. I hate when I hear the word binge drinking. I think that's a terrible word as it puts everybody off drink. And certainly three pints should never be considered binge uh, drinking. And Mervyn in Bandon, and this is on... how other countries manage with their drinking and is it just this country do we just have some kind of a a bad attitude when it comes to drinking and the way we drink and the tradition of the way uh, we drink you know do we just have a bad um, attitude uh, to it Mervyn in Bandon says take a look at the city of Melbourne in Australia take a look any Saturday night horrific is what comes to mind I was watching it on YouTube the other day so not every part of the world does well with alcohol and as for opening hours if bars in Ireland open until 6am I guarantee you there'll be people still in there at 7am even for 6am uh, trying to get people out you'll still have people that you can't get out of the pub that's the way it is now and that's not going to change 0818103103 and John Paul says a couple of calls on about Ulster Bank and I know it's probably because we're running a lot of ads for Ulster Bank at the moment they are due to close completely and please if you have an Ulster Bank account you really need to do something about transferring to another bank somebody was on wondering about the Ulster Bank in Mallow and the Ulster Bank in Tralee are they still uh, open Mallow and Tralee like all the 63 remaining branches that didn't transfer to permanent TSB are all still open but they will close on April the 21st they will cease transactions for cash or check lodgement on the 31st of March to focus solely on assisting customers who have not yet moved their accounts the agreement with them post will also end on the 31st of March so you really haven't had the 31st of March and I think the last figure I read is about 50,000 customers there's still a lot of customers who still haven't done anything about closing their Ulster Bank because they are leaving the country completely. You need to open and move to a different bank. 0818 103 103 lines are open. C103 Jobs. A person wanted for shop retail position. Some back office work will also be required. Please contact info at bandonoffice.com Full and part-time bar staff are wanted for the Longboat Bar in Durris. CVs to Martin O'Sull1 at hotmail.com. A management accountant is required for Maham. CVs, please, to resumes at projectdeliverypartners.com. And barbers are wanted with a minimum of one year experience. CVs, please, to carlpaulfitness at gmail.com you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie this is Court today on C103 Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Subsidies for thousands of parents using childminders has moved a step closer with the cabinet making plans for legislation aimed at paving the way for the sector's future regulation. To find out more, I'm joined by Bernadette Orbinski-Burke, who's Chief Executive of Childminding Ireland. Good morning to you, Bernadette. 
Good morning, Patricia. And great, great to talk to you. Now, Thank we've you. been told that TUSLA will be give her, given greater enforcement powers. What exactly does that mean? Because to some, that can be a scary concept. Absolutely, Patricia. And it shouldn't be linked with childminding. That's relating to uh, centre-based care. The, the press release was a, an unfortunately titled it conflated the two but um that's not relating to child minding that's relating to center base okay but will child binders have to register with tusla um ultimately yes because tusla is the statutory body that holds the registers and uh, as child minding becomes regulated they will be using the statutory body to, to regulate. Is there a danger that childminders will end up having to have crash-style regulations? Well, that's absolutely not what anybody wants. I mean, we know that the current um, regulations absolutely do not work for childminders. There's about, I think it's just under 70 childminders that are registered with TUSLA currently. And there's an estimated 35,000 childminders in the country. So that speaks for itself <laughs> that, you know, it, it really doesn't suit childminders. And, and in fairness to the department, they recognise that as well. And there are a number of advisory groups, including one on regulation and inspections. And um, that includes some childminders on, on that board as well. And Childminding Island has a seat there which a child is representing us. And uh, the idea is that any future um, regulations will be appropriate, um, proportionate for child Why are so few, that's the number set, that figure of 70 that you used, why are so, yes. f- so few registered with, uh, with TUSLA? Well, th- it's really important to understand that if a child is not registered, would to um, it doesn't mean that they are avoiding registration unless they're minding four or more preschool children or seven children of any age there's no pathway for them they're actually not allowed to register with Tusla so you get fantastic uh, child minders who, who are you know doing wonderful work um, it's not in any way a judgment on them it's just that there is no current system that allows them to register. And I take it the majority of childminders are not looking after numbers like that. The majority might be looking after one or two children. Absolutely. It, it's, it's a very small, you know, almost one-on-one type of home-from-home childcare. And it's absolutely the ethos is that, you know, you're minding like a family. So they tend to be small numbers. And they're practical considerations as well. Like if you're minding four or more preschoolers, you may need to change your car, for example, and mm. things like that that just don't make it feasible, really. 
And, and I know anyone I would talk to that would use um, a private, you know, a child minder as, and I'm not in any way taking away, away from creches or Montessori sure. schools, etc. But they all talk about the, the flexibility of a yeah. child minder. I mean, I would have friends whose children are at the creche and they would be nearly breaking the speed limit to get to the creche because they have to pick the child up at a certain time. Whereas yeah. with a child minder, there is way much more flexibility. Somebody could pick up the phone. I'm stuck in traffic. I need to go to a meeting. Is it OK if I collect a half an hour later? And generally speaking, the child minder is fine about it. Well, absolutely. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Absolutely. I mean, and also children, um, sorry, parents who work on social hours or irregular hours, they do find that childminders are a great option because you can negotiate with your own childminder. And some people drop their children very early in the morning, pick them up around midday or whatever, and others maybe drop them in in the afternoon and pick them up later. Um, but that's all negotiable. Now, it was reported yesterday in the papers uh, because particularly I think the focus has gone on, on sub- subsidies and, you know, and we know that with the cost of living crisis, parents are really struggling at the moment. But it was reported yesterday that only children minded in the minder's home will receive subsidies. Do many child minders go to the home of the children? Well, there's actually a definition um, of child minders, which is minding in the child minder's home. So if you're going to the parents' home, you're seen as a nanny. Um, and you, then you become an employee of the parents. So it's, it's very different because the child is self-employed. Yeah. 
So, you, so they won't be able to claim any subsidies? No, currently they're, they're not going to be included. I mean, over time, maybe they will. I, I'm sure that, you know, they will be looking at that. But currently, the, the plan is that it's Childmind who will become registered and be able to provide the NCS. Are, are you fearful with, you know, talk of regulation uh, and, and people having to register? Will it turn some childbinders and put them off that they might leave the industry? Well, that's the big fear, Patricia, if we don't get it right. But what we would say to childbinders, not to panic, you know, to take part in the consultation. They're going to be widespread consultation with childminders, so it's absolutely critical that their voices are heard. Um, we would ask them to get in touch with ourselves at support at childminding.ie because obviously the more voices that we hear and the range of opinions and ideas, we can take it then back to the policy makers. It also means that childminders who normally work alone are in a community of childminders. They get the support of each other. You know, there's a membership um, private forum on Facebook that they can talk to each other. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we, we'd love them to become members and we would support them to do that. But if they don't want to join as a member, they can still be part of our database and get lots of information so they know exactly what's happening when we do. And we, and we need parents as well who are Absolutely. using the services of childbinders. They very much need to get involved in this consultation. Absolutely. And again, we have a big database of parents who are using childminding services. And, you know, we really want to say that we'd be delighted for them to get the NCS subsidy and really support that. But we also need to support the childminder that their business is... Sorry, I'm stumbling... Uh, sustainable uh, into the future. Yeah, we don't want to lose. We certainly don't want to lose um, uh, childbinders uh, because you know there there are so many families who already struggle with childbinding issues. Absolutely. So the ones we have, we desperately need to uh, hold on to. So I mean, listening to you this morning, Bernadette, it sounds like we're a long way off from this being introduced. There's got to be well, a lot of consultation first. Well, hopefully that's that's what's been flagged. That's the plan. Um, I think they're looking at the end of 2024 before the register will be opened. Um, so a lot can happen between now and then. The childminders have a chance to shape their own uh, sector, and that's vitally important, that it's a grassroots up, mm. you know, rather than imposed. Yeah, but I suppose cold comfort for, for the parents who were hoping when they started to hear that they'd be receiving subsidies, uh, they, they're, they're yeah. going to have a wait. So so and so and certainly you welcome the re these regulations, but just it, it really has to be proportionate to the industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the child is mind an estimated 88,000 children. You know, it's, it's a huge part of the sector. It really needs to be done properly. Okay. 
All right, we leave it there, uh, Bernadette. No doubt it's something we, we will certainly speak about uh, again before it comes to pass. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining thank us you, this Patricia. morning. Good thank morning you. to you. That is Bernadette Orbinski-Burke, who is Chief Executive of Childminding uh, Ireland. And they've a great website. I would suggest to anybody who is uh, who is a child a minder because it's I think she, I think Bernadette is right. Childminders work on their own and it's great to have a, sort of a community of other childminders. And if you go onto their website, you can see there's a lot of information information there uh, as well childbinding uh, ireland.ie 0818 103 john by text patricia can you please 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 highlight the dog fouling on the pavements in clonakilty there is several this morning it's a disgrace shame on those dog owners so i don't know what was going on this morning but a lot of people obviously deciding to take their much loved doggy out for a bit of a walk this morning and didn't have their poop bags with them and didn't clean up after them please please will you clean up after your dogs when you take them out for a walk particularly on a street you're thinking of somebody like somebody pushing a pram into that and then bringing it home or god forbid somebody in a wheelchair or somebody visually impaired with a long cane it's just it's it's shocking it's bad enough for able-bodied people who can dance around the dog poo but if you can't see it or you're rolling over it in a pram it's just a horrible horrible uh, mess we're off to Bandit Garda station where I'm joined by Sergeant Connor McCarthy for this week's uh, Garda file good morning to you Connor good morning Patricia how are you I'm very well and you're you're very welcome we are going to be uh, talking about fraud because that unfortunately those scams are still going on but let's start with some incidents where uh, you're looking for the help of the general public starting in Ballydehob just last weekend that's right Patricia um, during the early hours of Sunday morning the 29th of January uh, there was a window damaged in a vehicle that was parked on the main street in Ballyhob. Now there was nothing taken from the vehicle but the, the window was damaged um, in the early hours of the morning between 1am and 3am so we're just asking anyone who may have been in the area if they saw or heard anything uh, that was unusual or somebody may have dash cam footage of, well, while they were passing the area to contact Gardaí in Ballyhob on 028-37-111. Not a nice thing to come out the following morning and discover that has happened. Not at all, not at all. Okay, there's been some thefts from vehicles in Kinsale, Guardian Kinsale investigating. That's right, Patricia. Uh, in the past few, uh, just in the recent days, uh, Guardian Kinsale are investigating a number of thefts from vehicles in the town in the early hours of the 1st of February. Uh, cash was taken from a number of vehicles. Unfortunately, the, the vehicles were left open with some property left visible in the, pro- in the vehicles. Uh, we we're just hoping that people may have dash cam footage from this time if they were passing uh, or if anyone noticed anything out of the ordinary around the area or in, if anyone has noticed anyone acting suspicious we're just asking that they please notify Gardaí and Kinsale Garda Station on 021-477-9250. And there are criminals who literally go around just flicking the doors to see which cars are opened and then take whatever they can lay their hands on. That's right, Patricia. Yeah, it, it's very. It, it seems to be becoming more prevalent uh, in recent times that, um, that people are just walking past cars, especially in the early hours of the morning, and trying the doors. And unfortunately, this could be on the side of the road or in estates where they will try the doors of cars. And they are, um, unfortunately, having a bit of success in that some of the cars are left open and they have, a number of cars would have some cash, loose cash or property items left uh, on display inside in the vehicles which the, the opportunist criminal will take advantage of. 
So leave nothing of value, but more importantly, always lock your car. Uh, Even when it's, see, I think we get home and we cut into the driveway and you think, oh, we're home now. The car is going to be safe. It's not. It's it's, it's just not. You've got to lock it at all times. That's right. Yeah, I I would say people possibly should get into the habit of just taking everything out of the car. Don't leave anything visible. But also before they go to bed at night, just most most cars now from the key, they hit the fob key and it locks the the car and they can see the lights flashing outside. And uh, I know in some instances, the door might be left slightly ajar and it, but the light won't flash so then that should be a signal to the car owner that the doors aren't shut properly you just haven't, go you and haven't check locked it, it. Yeah. ok from Kinsale to Mill Street uh, that's right. Uh, a report was rece- recently received uh, by Guardian Mill Street um, of a solar-powered light that was stolen from a driveway um, in the Finan Field area of Mill Street. Back, in, uh, the, the the item was believed to be stolen in early November, and we're just asking if anyone has seen this uh, item being offered for sale or any anyone knows anything about it, that they might contact the Mill Street Guardian on o two nine seven triple zero two. Well, kind of lo- lots of us have solar lights in in our garden. It's a kind of a, an unusual one and, and a mean one to steal somebody else's uh, solar powered light, isn't it? It is really. Yeah. It, it is to go into someone's property and take the item. Um, it took uh, it takes a, 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 I suppose just to be uh, daring to do so. And uh, look, it, it's it's of value to people and it, it is needed. So um, any information people may have in in relation to solving this uh, this theft would be greatly appreciated. Okay, we want to talk about fraud now, uh, Connor. And in particular, uh, there's so many scams during the round, but in particular, you want to focus on romance scams. That's right. In the past week, we have again received reports of persons who, who communicate online uh, with other persons. And, and in their, I suppose, their end game is to demand money from these people. Um, one of those such scams is, is known as a romance scam. Um, and I suppose just at the outside, I'd just like to emphasise for people to be cautious and if they become victim of this scam, that they should contact uh, their local Garda station. Um, unfortunately, these incidents uh, we'll see where people have been victims of fraud scams where small and large amounts of money have been taken, whether this be online, via text or phone calls. Again, we would reiterate the need for people to be aware of online fraud and not to give their information to people, whether that be online or over the phone. Um, and then an online crime which is known as romance scam as I've mentioned is used by criminals to gain money and this type of crime is becoming more and more prevalent so I suppose just as a couple of tips I would say that when people do um, interact online that they can meet online and the person asks to chat may ask to chat privately and their messages are often poorly worded and vague uh, their online profile may not be consistent with what they tell you and they may ask you to send uh, intimate pictures. And we just, if any of those uh, things are, are raised by the person they're speaking to, that these should raise red flags straight away with them and just to be mindful of it. And just to be, I suppose, from their own point of view, to be careful about how much personal information they share. Always consider the risks. Go slow and ask questions and research the person's photo and profile. Uh, this may be of benefit to them uh, as the material, just to see if that material has been used elsewhere online, and and be again be alert to spelling and grammar mistakes. And if you are meeting someone that you have met online in person, just to tell family where uh, and when you're meeting this person, and beware of money requests. 
and again um, fraudsmart.ie or on, on garda.ie have lots of information and just if they are a victim of crime it's important that people don't feel embarrassed stop all contact immediately if possible keep all communications such as chat messages whether that be by screenshot or or just keep it on the phone and if you have provided your account details most definitely contact your bank immediately yeah and it's and i'm glad you said you know don't feel embarrassed because i do think that is the problem when somebody particularly on these these romance frauds when people get caught out uh, and i'm always fearful that more of it has happened but people are too embarrassed to report it and and you really shouldn't be not at all. Unfortunately, these these type of thefts are becoming more and more common, and with people's use of um, online activity, it, it is becoming more prevalent. And it, 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 we the guard are here to assist them. And and again, the more information we have, the better able we are to investigate these matters and and, and catch these criminals in in, in the perpetrating these crimes. Okay, and seeing as as we mentioned in some of the incidents uh, earlier about what happened in Kinsale with the number of thefts from cars, yeah, you just want to go through uh, for people to be aware that that is an ongoing issue um, and just offer some words of advice. That's right. Uh, I suppose just a few points is just don't leave valuables on show in the car. Uh, lock your doors and close windows. Most cars lock by p- push of a button. Uh, fit an alarm where possible or install a tracker with, if it is a company vehicle or if you have the means to do so. Uh, use physical security such as a steering wheel lock um, another item which have been sold in recent times are uh, number plates so if you can secure your number plates uh, fit, you can obtain fit or sorry fit test resistant number plate fittings and local motor factors would have these if you request them and again I suppose parking under street lights or consider parking where there is CCTV it's just to be just to be thinking a bit more about where we park our vehicles as they're they are very valuable and and this is uh, it is very helpful to ha- have them parked in areas where it's well lit. And is it always important, um, Connor, if, if your number plates are stolen, to make sure that you report them stolen? Absolutely. Um, th- th- these uh, number plates are generally stolen by criminals who have a purpose for them. And th- it is important that we're aware that these the number plates have been uh, have been taken. It allows us to record it on our system and, and we can ensure that it's, uh, that number plate can be um, uh, is highlighted to working units who may come across this vehicle in, in, in other circumstances and where generally these number plates are used by people who are intending on perpetrating other criminal offences. Okay, I know you want to give a shout out. You've got a community alert uh, AGM happening. It's not until Monday week, is it? That's right, on the 13th of February at 8pm at Drina Community Hall, Drina the Drina Community Alert AGM and Information Night is taking place and all local uh, members of the community are are invited to attend uh, should they want any information or have any questions to ask. Um, that would be a good night for them all to gather and to um, make contact with local guardians. And it can be nice social nights as well, weirdly enough, for everybody to meet in the community. Exactly, Patricia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they do yeah. enjoy meeting up and, and having and discussing uh, things that are relevant to them. It, it, it is definitely of benefit to um, to the community and to anyone who wants to, wishes to attend. And it's, it's community alert. Is it, is it as strong as ever, Connor? Uh, it, it is. It is. The, the community alert is a, a very important aspect uh, from our point of view, where information can be to be gathered. And, and again, in meetings like this, this is where we we, we learn of the local concerns, or we may have. It, they may be able to provide information and, and advice can be given to them in relation to their security and local services that are available to them. Okay. And actually, 
indeed it was this day last week we were bidding uh, a fond farewell to Sergeant John Kelly a regular uh, contributor on our uh, on our Garda uh, file uh, because of course he is uh, retiring and he was a colleague of yours That's right Patricia um, finally we'd like to wish John, Sergeant John Kelly uh, he's crime prevention officer at Fermoy Garda Station well as he retires uh, from a Garda Shikana this week as you have pointed out John is a regular contributor to your programme and has always provided valuable advice to the community on the Garda files. We, we would like to acknowledge John's loyal and dedicated service and we wish John and his family good health and happiness in his retirement. Okay, well said, well said. Okay, Conor, listen, thank you for that. Have a good week and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, good thank morning you. to you. That is Sergeant Conor McCarthy, uh, who is based out of Bandon, a Garda station. And, uh, you know, as always, Garda, always available uh, to people if you need any help, particularly with crime prevention, etc. Okay, Anne was on when we were talking about the different scams, uh, etc., that are going on, the romance scams that uh, Connor, Sergeant Connor was talking to us about and says, I'm getting calls from people saying that they got a phone call from me, which obviously Anne didn't ring the person. So do you know anything about that? I'll tell you what that is, Anne. It's a thing called spoofing. It's whereby the scammers use a somebody else's phone number. It, uh, the caller ID dis- is displayed and it's to disguise their identity and it looks like it came from your phone. I had a couple of years ago, I had two or three calls similar with somebody saying, I got a call from you. Say, no, sorry, it wasn't me and blah, blah, blah. And then when I got to the bottom of it, I discovered that it was uh, spoofing. Now, what happened in my case was it just stopped. When I looked into it, I heard of other people who were getting hundreds of calls every day because these scammers were using that person's number on a wide variety of calls. And this person was getting loads of callbacks uh, from people and she ended up having to change her number. I didn't have to go to that uh, lens. I would suggest you could also get onto your phone company and tell them it's happening and just see if they can do anything for you. But it's called spoofing, whereby it's a scam call to somebody else's phone, but it's coming... it, the caller ID looks like it's coming from your phone. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text your WhatsApp to oh eight six two. 103103. We're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Court today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me take a look at some of your calls and comments coming into the programme uh, this morning. We don't have Jane Pickett, our resident vet. She's on uh, a break, but she is back with us next week. So hold off on any pet questions that you have. Some of your thoughts coming in. Hi, Patricia. I was watching the paramedics on Virgin Media last night and what the two ladies in Cork went through with a drunken non-national was unbelievable. What they and the Gardaí put up with by way of abuse when they're out doing their jobs, it is simply not acceptable. I know the Gardaí themselves are trying to crack down on the abuse that the Gardaí are getting. I mean, there's talks of giving them body cams uh, in, um, in order to protect themselves uh, as well. But yeah, it is, it is shocking. And it seems to be getting worse. I mean, there's been a number of 
protests, particularly um, anti-immigrant protests and some of the abuse that members of Ingarda Siakona are putting up with. It's just, you just think, goodness me, no matter what pay they're getting, you don't deserve that when you head out every day to do your job. And then somebody else on the Gardaí, this was Shay. Shay was listening to Sergeant Connor uh, McCarthy from Bad Garda Station on the Garda file and says, Hi Patricia, I was listening to the Garda on your crime slot this week and my heart really breaks for the Gardaí of this country and the people of this country, how they must feel betrayed by our government as we only heard during the week that over 70 million euro was paid out to solicitors for defending criminals as part of our free legal aid programme. That's money that's paid by the state and at the end of the day that's taxpayers money when that money could be used for better purposes rather than protecting and defending criminals. It's encouraging them, says Shay, to commit more offences against people. Garda are endangering their lives by fighting crime and the government then pays solicitors to defend the people who are committing the crimes. The legal fees should be added to their time in prison and all their comforts and perks of being in prison should be removed. I wonder if we would have the overcrowded prisons that we're hearing about then. Maybe the Gardaí should, maybe the government should invest money in real punishment for criminals like sentences that really fit the crime, not some of the petty slap on the back of the hand and go and behave yourself attitude that we often get to hear and read about in the papers, says uh, Shay, you're not the first Shay to come out when we talk about uh, free legal aid. But I suppose everyone has a right uh, to be defended. But I think it's when it's repeat offending. I do think, and I, I wonder, could that ever be looked at? You know, whatever about you know one strike and you're out. If uh, somebody for the is a first offender, isn't able to afford uh, to pay for for uh, solicitors or barristers or whatever, that's fine. But when it's repeat offenders, and we often see that if you if you are a keen reader and watcher of court reports, you'll see that so many times. People are just r- repeat offenders, which is just and yeah, and they're getting the free legal aid every single time. OK, back to NCT's Billy in Clashmore says on NCT's it was a it was said yesterday when the NCT were before when Atlas who run the NCT centres when they were before the Iraq Trample, Tra, Transport Oireachtas Committee yesterday they stated that there's about 3,000 no shows per week and that's having a knock on effect for people who are trying to get an NCT that uh, appointments then uh, people who genuinely would have shown up uh, and they can't get an appointment and there's all of these no shows. Billy says I recall on my email confirmation for my NCT when I booked and paid for it online it was clearly stated that there is a fine of €25 Euro applied if you don't show up. That means on Billy's calculations that the NCT made close to €2 million, he says per week but I'm assuming he says per year from no shows. Where is the incentive to solve this aspect of the problem when it's basically money for nothing and the same company say that they are in they, they are financially having financial problems so much so as James O'Connor pointed out they couldn't even give their parole staff a Christmas party a tenor instead to go for Christmas lunch was offered to them but yes it is something that should be looked at as well how much money do they actually make from uh, no shows it certainly is um, a valid point uh, Billy 0818 103 103 Tom says Patricia my friend failed last week because his number plate was dirty. So that was put down as a fail, 
surely that's robbing the country plus look at our roads it's impossible to keep a car clean not to mind the number plates well that if, if that's all he failed on which I find it really surprising that that was all he failed on if that was it all he had to do was go away clean the number plate and then bring it back he wouldn't be charged again because some of the smaller items that you fail on you just go in you get it fixed and you come back for a visual inspection and so if that is true that he failed for a dirty number plate I'm assuming that's all he had to do was just go around the corner give it a clean and go back and they would just look at it and say yeah you're okay now but I find that very hard to believe a damaged number plate or a number plate that you can't see the numbers properly for whatever reason I could see failing but for just being dirty I really find that uh, hard to believe but according to Tom that's what his friend told him and just on the condition of our roads when it comes to NCTs uh, Patricia here in West Cork we should all be getting our NCT for nothing as we are paying enough keeping our cars in good order as to the beating that they get from our roads with the potholes and terrible surfaces etc and we pay for the privilege of driving on them it's an absolute joke society who has also noticed that fuel prices are on the rise again and they seem to be going up by in rocket speed it is outrageous says Heidi I've started to notice that uh, as well and when we had the AA when did we was it the AA we had on Paddy Common was on on uh, Tuesday and I was asking him if he had a crystal ball and could he see prices you know coming down um, and I said that to him that I've certainly started to notice when I'm passing the four courts the petrol and diesel is starting to go up and then when I read this morning and this was really galling that Shell delivered a record 40 billion dollar profit in 2022 think about that 40 billion dollars in profit and that's just from one uh, company and that came in a year when there was a surge in energy prices after of course Russia's invasion on Ukraine and that allowed Shell then to hand uh, shareholders unprecedented returns and Shell who are of course a British uh, company these are record earnings Uh, they more than doubled from the year before and it mirrored reports coming from their US rivals earlier on in the week and of course when you read that what does that do it certainly is intensifying pressure on government to raise further taxes on this uh, particular uh, sector now the gains were driven by higher oil and gas prices robust refining margins and a strong performance they say from Shell's trading businesses now some uh, governments these are governments governments all over the world are struggling with soaring energy bills and some have already responded by imposing windfall taxes on the energy sector Shell already has admitted that it expects to incur about 2.4 billion in accounting costs relating to these levies levies in uh, 2022 but if they are expecting to pay 2.4 billion I mean that is a drop out of the 40 billion euro that they have made in uh, profits. It really is absolutely incredible that they're able to get away with making these kind of uh, profits and they're making it off the back of uh, all of us because all of us have to pay higher energy costs. We're all paying higher on our diesel, all paying higher on our our petrol and our electricity, all of our utilities. It really is uh, 
quite a, a bitter pill to swallow uh, to see those kind of profits being made and yet we're all paying more uh, when it comes saying if we're going to get a fill of oil if we want to get gas I mean the gas bills that are coming in for some people really are astronomically uh, high 0818103103 John Paul continues to take your calls phone lines by the way have been busy so don't forget you can always text and WhatsApp us to 086 2103103 and you can always email the programme Cork Today at c103.ie The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie Kildare Community Development they're holding their weekly lotto draw in the community office 4 o'clock today it's got a jackpot of €7,100 and the Polyphonics Male Barbershop Chorus. They're offering three free singing lessons commencing this evening. Adults of all ages and backgrounds are welcome to come along to rehearsals from 7 o'clock tonight until 9 in Skull Owen. Now that's in Ballancolic. For more information, call Pat on 87 Social dancing will go ahead in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic tomorrow night. Dancing from 9 to Barry O'Hanlon. Admission is €10 euro and that does include uh, teas. And a fundraising table quiz for Court McSherry's St. Patrick's Day Parade will be held in the Pier House Bar in Court Mac tomorrow night at half past eight. Teams of four, please. It will be €40 euro per table. Fantastic prizes for the quiz and raffle on the night. And a bluegrass band, Special Consensus, will be playing in the Glen Theatre in Bantir on next Monday, Bank Holiday Monday night, with tickets available from 029 56239. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is Court Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. And just back to the NCT for a second. Somebody said NCT testers look at engine, light, steering, uh, wheels. Uh, they look at CO2 uh, emissions in your car. Whoever said they fail you for dirty number plates, that doesn't sound right. But a couple of other people said, yeah, they do. They can uh, charge you for a dirty number plate. But a lot of people are pointing out there's no charge for a visual inspection like that. A dirty number plate, you can literally just go out around the corner, clean the number plate and bring it back in and then you should pass no problem. Now, I want to try and get an answer and some kind of an explanation for somebody who emailed us earlier this morning. The email came in overnight and I mentioned it at the start of the programme from Annie. I uh, wanted to know, are farmers allowed to remove ditches and not replace them, leaving the field open? What has happened nearby her house? The local farmer has removed uh, a ditch. First one was removed a number of years ago, more removed in the last few years. And the problem it's causing is that the water is running off from the fields and all the dirty water is coming into Anne's uh, driveway. There are other houses in the area. Uh, Harold uh, Kingston of the IFA in uh, West Cork heard us mention that and he's contacted the programme. Good afternoon to you, Harold. Afternoon, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. Firstly, do you think this is unusual that a farmer would be removing ditches like that? Yeah, like, look, there's there's a certain amount of it always happens in terms of, of development of land and, and changes things, changing things around and so on. But there's a, there's a number of rules governing what you can and can't do. Um, the first one that 
like look obviously the classic thing is, is I can't I can't comment on individual cases because I don't know exactly what's yeah. behind this one. Yeah. But it uh, roadside ones generally speaking tell me that there's county council involvement because there must be something to do with either road widening or there must be something to do with sight lines or whatever because it doesn't make sense to a farmer to actually remove a fence alongside the road because believe it or not they're there to keep cattle inside and keep people out so like that's that's you know that, that's what they were put there for originally was to actually control cattle and and provide shelter and so on so it doesn't make sense to take it away and go to the expense of putting up a wire that has to be maintained as well um, so that's the first one. The next part of it then is in terms of there's two rules governing fences. The first one is is actually under cross compliance, which is part of your basic payments system and so on, where since 2007, I think it was, you have to maintain the same length of hedgerow in your land. So what that says is that if you're taking out a fence for whatever reason, um, you first have to have planted a, a, a similar length somewhere else in the farm so that you maintain the same length of hedgerow at all times. So that's in place since 2007. No, no, not necessarily in the same place, but somewhere else on the farm. No, no, somewhere else within okay. your holding, yeah, within right. the farm. So now the new rules that are coming out this year under the new basic payments is actually that in order to remove one, you have to plant twice as much. So that's that's the new one that's coming in again now, and that has to be done before you go take out any fence. So that's the first part of it. The next part of it then is in terms of, of uh, screening and so on, in terms of, like, if, if you want to take out 500 metres of hedgerow, which is a significant chunk of hedgerow, um, having replaced it somewhere else and you still want to take out that much, then you have to apply to the Department of Agriculture for screening. And that's not 500 metres every year, that's 500 metres every five years. So again, you know, it's it's, it's easy enough to hit it if you are doing a development of a farm as possible to hit it. Or what's easier to hit is that if you actually are increasing the field size above five hectares, which is 12 and a half acres, by taking out maybe only 100 metres of hedgerow, then that also has to be screened. So Because I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering why, why would a farmer be, be removing hedgerows and ditches? Like, in, in some cases, it could be just to do with, with uh, field sizes and herd sizes and so on, where this, you know, might have end up with, with fields that are, are different sizes and you want to make them even sizes. You want, In some cases, you might be putting an internal roadway um, through a farm and, and you know, you, you, you'll end up planting a hedge alongside the roadway instead, so you'll take away some of the fences in other places. Um, it could be amalgamating two farms if somebody is after buying a farm next door and you want to just change the... Like, like I say, the reason the hedges were put in place originally is to, keep... to actually... You know, it's, it's it's segregating fields. Yeah, and um, it's keeping and animals in. Yeah, it's keeping animals yeah, and, in. and shelter yeah. and so on. So you might you might discover that there's there's a better way of of, of configuring your farm. So you decide to replant. Uh, no, it's a, it's a significant expense to do it at any time, but in some cases it does justify um, making changes that way, just in terms of changing field sizes, in terms of of alignments of of hedges and and so on. Okay, um, but 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 Annie in her email said it's roadside ditches yeah which is very strange yeah, um, so, yeah. so that's like I look at this time of the year and all and all the way through the winter we'll, I'll, I'll always be getting messages from people that they'll see stuff on social media or oh, such a fellow he's after destroying his hedge he's after cutting the trees in most cases it's actually a council job mm-hmm. when, it's, when it's on roadside they could be to do with with road development it could be anything that way 
Um, so that's the first place I'd check on, on that one. Is It's quite likely. And, and the other one is have a chat. Uh, explain, you know, have a chat with the farmer about and ask what is oh, going on. Yeah. yeah, that's the first thing is to figure out what's, what's happening here because it, there could, like, it sounds very strange again, like water running out onto roads certainly shouldn't be happening either because you are supposed to actually um, control anything that way and it's in no, no farmer's interest to have... Uh, any soil, like, you know, muck on the road means soil after leaving the field, so you certainly don't want to be seeing that either. I'm yeah. presuming this is as a result of the work that are going on. Um, but in most cases on this, now, look, there are some exceptions where, where somebody who, who has no farming background decides to buy a piece of land and decides to, to um, clean it off, uh, you know, literally move everything out of the middle of it. And there, th- those ones, there are court cases, there are different things happening on those, and they will be will be sorted they are fewer, few and far between. In most cases, it has gone through a screening process or it has gone through uh, impact assessments. Um, and, and I would say to any farmer who is thinking of doing anything, if you have any questions about it at all, screening is free. So you contact Department of Ag. It's based in, in uh, Johnston Castle in, in Wexford. You contact them. Let them know what you're, what you're planning on doing. Um, and they will give you an assessment as to whether it's right or wrong or, or whether you need to, to, to do any further investigation. And you're better off to be upfront and, and ask the question. Rather, if, if you have a question, ask it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, it, so it, rather like, than get into trouble uh, yeah, afterwards. No, mo- okay. most, in most cases, people telling me that, that a farmer has taken out a hedge, all, all that's been done is that has been cut. Um, and, and, you know, for some hedges, and, and I've, I've had to do some of it here myself over the years, where a hedge will, will have grown too tall and, and is likely to fall over because it's, it's after getting gappy in the bottom, and you, you cut it off at the base and allow it to sprout up again. Um, it's what's known as coppicing. It's actually part of the new agri-environment scheme actually allows for cop- or, or pays farmers to do coppicing. It's recommended. Because it's good, so it's, it's good for, for the environment and good for the hedge. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it means that you you maintain like they're 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 a living, uh, functioning uh, part of the farm, and they need to be maintained. Yeah. If you just simply leave them there, they will they will deteriorate okay. and fall down and okay. have to walk And what's life like at the moment in Cormac? Are you busy, or what's this time of the year like for farmers? Well, I'm I'm standing in the middle of the maternity unit here at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, spring, spring officially arrives. And that's no not the maternity. Tell you about calendars and that, so on. And that's um, can I say that's not the maternity unit up at Cork University Maternity Hospital? No, no, no. It's the maternity no. unit of of, of Cork, Cork Mac here. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's um, I I had a, a like with, with with farming you take whatever wins you get and and I had a fantastic win just while I go there. Now there was a cow that was was very sick with pneumonia of all things about two weeks ago and I thought she was on, on death door and she's just had a, had a lovely uh, Angus bull calf there now and she's quite happy and she's Brilliant. delighted with herself and I'm delighted as well. Brilliant, so, yeah, okay. It's, it's a fabulous time on the farm. Listen, thanks for that, Howard. Look after yourself. You too. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks a million. That is uh, Howard Kingston who farms in Court Mac and of course a member of the IFA. Leanna Middleton was on to say, Patricia, have you any news about no water uh, in Middleton? Could you find out please? Uh, Ishka Aaron tell us repairs to a burst water main uh, may affect supply in Main Street in Middleton and the surrounding areas and it'll be until about two o'clock today but they're working to uh, sort out that burst water main. Uh, Number of texts in on NCT let me go to some of these Barry and Ochnihini said in the last three weeks I sent my car in for NCT it failed on one beam higher than the other and also the emissions they told me were, were too high I'm actually a retired qualified mechanic says Barry in Ochnihini I ended up bringing it back three times and it kept failing I 
starting to think it's a money racket in um, uh, in my trade. I don't feel it should have failed, but it did. I ended up having to pay the repeat test of €28 Euro three times before it finally passed. Martina McCroom says my husband has a hackney car and was due an NCT test. It was washed and polished, went for the test. He failed uh, because the car wasn't professionally valeted. Is that a certain can, is that because it's a hackney? He um, must uh, he, he told the tester that he cleaned it himself and they said, no, you have to get it professionally done. So he'd go away and have it professionally valeted and got a receipt to prove it was done professionally. It had, was spotless the first time and he did have to pay a second time. Well, there's a new one on me. Uh, Larry in Mitchestown says, yes, Patricia, I failed because of a dirty number plate. But the tester told me, come back the next day with a clean number plate and there wouldn't be any charge. It was just a visual inspection. To be fair, says Larry, I had driven in rural roads in Tipperary for work that day and then had to go on to Little Island for my NCT. So while my car was clean, the number plates had picked up dirt along the road as I was going about my business that day. It was just that time of the year they were salting the roads etc next time I'll know better I'll wipe the number plates down Yeah, bring some wet wipes with you I'll wipe the number plates down before I give it in and actually that might be a good piece of advice to anybody going in for an NCT to save you having to go back again just give the number plates a bit of a wipe a wipe hi Patricia my daughter's boyfriend's NCT is out since December and he can't get another test until uh, July. Also, if I failed for a dirty number plate, I'd be go completely mad. But I have heard of it happening uh, before. Tell your daughter's boyfriend that if he wants to get that NCT quicker to ring the test centre. They We've had more people who have rang the test centre themselves and they've got an appointment date much quicker than going through it online. Are the one, the trick that I used was to go online late at night, usually around midnight, close enough to midnight or just after midnight, because if whatever the algorithms of their computer system, they put up new test dates or test dates that are available because you know people will cancel etc and they seem to go up around midnight so tell him to check he might be able to get it quicker than having to wait until July. John Paul taking your calls 0818103103 Cork today on C103 With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie This is the Cork Today replay on C103 Tim by text says, uh, Patricia's farmers, we ought to be planting more hedgerows to combat climate change, not removing them, uh, which has the uh, negative impact on biodiversity and water quality. And that's kind of very similar. And you're backing up what uh, Harold Kingston, the farmer from Court Mac, and a member of the IFA, exactly what Harold is saying as well. Thank you for that, uh, Tim. Now, with Jane Pickett, our resident vet, still off on her winter break, but she is back with us next week to answer all of your pet questions. We're using her slot instead to continue on the animal theme and I'm joined to discuss the work of Rower, which is the Rural Animal Welfare Resources based in West Cork. I'm joined by Jennifer Carroll. Good afternoon to you, Jennifer. Good afternoon, Patricia. Always a pleasure. Well, absolutely. Now, I noticed, and one of the reasons I I said to John Paul, we must bring on Jennifer, you've started the new year with a, a GoFundMe support page. Are you finding this time of year particularly challenging and this year particularly challenging? Well, to be honest, the last couple of years have been a bit challenging because between COVID and everything, obviously, fundraising issue, you know, has been affected and it's not been as easy to raise funds. 
So our charity shop was closed for quite a lot during the COVID lockdown. And people are still a bit kind of tender to go out and, and, and spend money. And obviously after Christmas as well, there's lean times ahead. Yeah, and this cost of living crisis, and yeah, people people and, and, yeah, are people are finding it hard. As well. So, th- is the bulk of your work still very much focusing focused on neutering pets? Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, the reason we focused on neutering is because the idea is to try and reduce the numbers, so that it, there shouldn't be as big a drain on the rescues, and there should be, in theory, less animals looking for rescue space eventually. And how is your trap neuter return program going? It's it's always going. There was actually thirteen cats literally just collected to, to drop back there now today, and that was, I think it was eleven females and two males. So in a couple of months, that would have been a lot of kittens if they weren't neutered. Now, just to explain to people how the trap neuter return program works. Do you get a call from an area to say there's a lot of feral cats, or how does it work? Usually somebody gets in contact with us quite often through our Facebook page or through one of the volunteers or the charity shop. Um, and what we do is try and organise to go out at a time that the cats all turn up. They all get trapped and they get taken to the vet, they get health checked, neutered, flea and worm treated and they get ear tipped and then they go back to where they came from. But these are all white feral cats? Well, the term feral is very broad they'd be all kind of suppose more stray cats that don't necessarily have an owner okay so like you can have cats that would be stray domestics that might have been abandoned or you can have you know cats that basically want nothing really to do with people they're not friendly but they hang around because there's a resource there like food or shelter or something like that yeah are they are they i mean they're not used to human touch i would say a lot of them are they they're not but at the same time, they will approach people looking for food. So, like, true feral cats will want nothing to do with people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I know on our vet slot every week, we would hear from listeners to say that they're feeding a number of cats that come into their garden. Yeah, and those are the people we're trying to target. Because, uh, it's, look, it's great for you to feed them and it's great for you to look after them. But the problem happens is that once they're collecting in a group and they're coming to you they're going to start reproducing and then we get phone calls from people who have 30, 40, 50 cats And that can happen in quite a short period of time Jennifer It can, female cats can get pregnant as early as 4 months of age and they can easily do 2 litters a year, sometimes they can do 3 litters a year and if you're having 4 kittens a litter at at that rate you're going to be inundated fairly shortly Yeah, and while you started out doing the right thing because this poor cat turned up at your door and you decided to feed it and before you know it, you're, you're swamped. You're, you're, yeah, exactly, yeah. you're drowning in cats. And health-wise, what condition are a lot of these stray cats in? It really depends on the situation. I mean, quite a lot of them would be in reasonably good condition. Um, some of them would have chronic health problems. If, like, if it's something that's going to affect their long-term health and if it's something that they can't be easily treated and is going to cause serious problems and later on then ethically it's not fair to release them in that state so in in those cases you know if the vet advises us we would have the cat put to sleep yeah and it's it's the fairest and the kindest thing well it's there's no point in you trapping neutering and returning a cat that's not in good health and have the animal you know fade away over the next six months 
or you know something terrible happened to it that's just causing unnecessary suffering can there be a lot of cat flu out there and and, and that spreads so quickly it does um there's a couple of different variations of it um and one of them is that actually the mother if she has the virus she can pass it to the kittens so you can have literally every litter of kittens born picking up this virus and what do you do in a case like that if you if you if you trap a family of kittens like that well if they're if if they're of a certain age and the health is is good and they're treatable then we would try and find a foster home for them so once they're better then we can try and get them adopted out um, but like that really depends on whether or not we foster homes available mm. um, and also obviously on the health of the cat at the time yeah and obviously you you take all the advice from the vets then they're, they're, yeah, they're yeah. the ones that, we, that know, we, know best and it's important to point out you're, you're not a rescue centre we're not a rescue centre, no. We're primarily a, a neutering group. But you do help people find homes for unwanted or abandoned animals. Well, we work quite closely with our good friends in West Cork Animal Welfare Group. Okay. So we would kind of have good contact with them and they help us out a lot and they're very good to us. Um, so we'd work with those to try and find places for some of these animals that would be abandoned if we can. The thought of an animal being abandoned is just... And is it just cats you work with? We do do neutering vouchers for dogs as well. Okay. So at certain times of the year, isn't it, normally? The, well, the vouchers would be usually available from several vets. Okay. Um, and the voucher gives the owner 40 euros off the cost of the procedure and a free microchip if they're not chipped already. Okay. And the, the, somebody's asking about the trap neutering release. Is that, it's just in the West Cork area, is it, that you work? We kind of cover most of West, of West Cork. It depends, really. We have a couple of contacts in other areas as well. And there's other groups that cover other areas also. Okay. Okay. And um, and that is the greatest, to get a good message across today, the greatest thing that anybody listening can do for their pet is to have them neutered because that will stop the spread of unwanted animals. It, it will. It will. I mean, for, for your cat alone, if you do nothing else for it but neuter it in its lifetime, you can double its lifespan potentially. And that includes the Tomcats? It does, yeah. <laughs> it does, yeah. If they're neutered, they're less likely to go out cruising looking for broads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when they're not out doing that, they're less likely to get to fight, hit by cars, or have other things happen to them when they're out wandering. Okay, and I don't know how long, Jennifer, you're working with uh, Rower, but is the problem of abandoned pets in your time working with the organisation getting better or getting worse? It's probably about the same, to be honest. I mean, I'm probably doing this for 15 years. Um, attitudes are improving people are getting better it's a slow process um, but there's always more to be done and you completely run on volunteers yes we have no paid staff we have some very good volunteers they take time out of their own days they use their time off work um, and they do what they can for us OK, and there is this GoFundMe page, which has been, if people go on to GoFundMe page, they just type in uh, Roar, W-A-W-R and Roar will come up and you'll see the GoFundMe page. And just, yeah, all the finances that we take in, all the donations that we get goes straight back out to the cats and the dogs. 
um, and it's all spent local as well. Okay, well done, well done. You're a fantastic organisation. Uh, long again, it's one of those organisations. Long may it continue. I wish that I didn't have to say that to you. I'd love a day when we would never need any of these animal charities. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. Listen, thank you for that, uh, Jennifer, and um, good luck to everybody, particularly all of the volunteers. You're a great bunch. Thanks for joining us. Anytime. Bye Thank bye. You very much. Bye bye. That is uh, Jennifer Carroll uh, joining us from 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 Roar, the Rural Animal Welfare Resources, who is there a terrific organisation uh, based down in West Cork. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. This is on Stephen uh, from uh, County Kerry, who has sent us in a WhatsApp. It's uh, tying in again with NCTs. But Stephen says, Trish, I picked up some of the repeat of your programme when I was driving home late last night and I got the bit where you were talking about the NCTs. I was listening to a national radio station recently and several listeners were ringing in all with the same experience. They got their cars checked by the mechanic, which was what I was advocating people to do yesterday. And then they brought their car along to the test centre where it ended up failing. In each case, they went back to their mechanic who told them there's absolutely nothing wrong with your car book another appointment, take it back in again and a week or so later they took the car back in for retest with nothing done by the mechanic and guess what, it passed the second time. I understand that a few years ago before COVID the company declared profits, or the company took in 9 million euro from Irish motorists. Shea says that's in profits. I can see how if people are being brought back for retests and of course we understand in inverted commas is all to do with road safety says Stephen in uh, Kerry. Well seemingly Apples are saying uh, maybe they were making those kind of profits before Covid but they said they're very strapped for cash so much so that they couldn't even give their staff a Christmas party. All they could do was offer them 10 euro towards a Christmas towards a lunch uh, voucher and that's one of the pieces that has really been picked up by uh, James O'Connor from Cork East who raised that uh, with Aplis when they were before the Oireachtas Committee uh, yesterday. 0818 103 103 Our lines are open and thank you for your WhatsApp Stephen. Joan Kilmallock says the reason that you fail an NCT for dirty uh, registration plates is because if the guard are monitoring cars they can't see the reg plate and that's why you fail. That's where I leave you for today. Uh, back with you tomorrow at 10. Cork today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.